listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Indeed, welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar science. My name is Eric Daw, and I am your humble host with over 25 years of experience restoring, building, and repairing guitars. I've been busy in the shop. You know, one uh, one thing I did not foresee in releasing a book about guitar electronics was that I was going to be swamped with custom pickup orders. So I've been making uh, and winding and shipping uh, custom pickups to fill all the orders. I might take down my order page because I'm starting to get behind on other things that I need to do. I've got custom guitars that are in the works, and I've got repairs that are stacking up. Making pickups is fun. It's not super profitable for me, and it's time-consuming. I don't know. I might might disable the, uh, the custom pickup order page for a while at least just so that I can get caught up on other things the other problem I've got is you know I, I live on about a half an acre and you know I'm not like a, a homesteader or anything like that but I have a small scale you know I grow a lot of food here I've got a small orchard and a garden and grapevine and and fall is a really busy time for me to try to get my yard ready uh, for for winter, and to harvest and process all of the food I grow. I mean, I've got apples. We, Me and my boys, we, we picked apples and plums and pears and grapes and tomatoes. So, so I do a lot of, like, food preservation. So canning, I canned a whole bunch of salsa, a year's, year's supply of salsa, because I'm a, I'm a chips and salsa fiend. And, uh, you know, then I run a lot of, I make homemade raisins, I run the grapes through dehydrators. So, so fall is just a really time-consuming time of the year for me with what I've got going on um, in my yard and in my garden. So I'm trying to balance work and a tiny, small-scale urban you know, it's not a farm, but I don't know what else to call it. You know, a a very tiny homestead. (laughs) So I'm trying to balance all of that with, with raising two children and, and filling orders and making guitars and doing repairs. So it's been really busy. That's my point. My point is I've been super busy, but I'm grateful. Hey, life could be way worse. Being busy is good. 
Uh, but consequently, I don't have a whole lot prepared for you today. What I wanted to do was answer a couple quick questions, and then I wanted to um, play a few of my favorite clips from past episodes. So that's what we're going to do. That is what we're going to do. But I, I do have one call to take, and we will take that and see uh, see what's going on here. Hey, Eric, this is John from Maplewood. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Um, my question is about some Schaller F-Series 1970s uh, tuners that I have that I'm trying to install onto a, uh, a CBS Strat neck um, that I purchased from Warmoth. And when I purchased it, I selected the Schaller uh, option for the for the uh, tuner spacing um, because I had these tuners, which are the uh, the 1970s F series, are the kinds of, that are sort of trapezoidal, uh, cool, modern looking tuners. Um, and uh, I put the bushings in first, so the bushings they're press in bushings on these tuners, so they're in. And uh, and but when I put the the machines on the back, uh, they don't fit; they're too tight together. Uh, so they, because these tuners fit right flush up against each other and they're just too tight so that I can't get them to sit flush against the back of the headstock. Um, and I don't quite know what to do. Uh, my options seem to be, uh, screw them in and just live with a little bit of a, of a gap where they're, they're kind of, uh, set up from the, from the headstock. I could just press out those bushings and start over with different tuners, but I'm a little worried about that um, because they're in there, and I feel like uh, pressing them back out will, um, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if they'll if they'll chip anything on the way out. Um, I could try to find another set of machines that match those bush those uh, bushings, um, but I can't seem to find any that that exactly match the specs of that of those bushings and would 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 work. Um, uh, and the other option I have is I do have a, a, a Telecaster Custom from 1978 that has the Fender versions of those same tuners, and I could try to take those off and see if they will fit, um, um, or I could try to uh, remove some material from these with a Dremel or something so they will sit flush. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the best way to proceed. Um, thank you. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, those are tricky. Those the, I know what he's talking about, these... Um... They're called F-stamp tuners that Fender started using in the mid-70s or maybe 60s even. When did they start making those? When did they start using those? I don't even know. I think it was the late 60s, actually. They went to those uh, those uh, F-stamped tuners um, in the late 60s. And a lot of people assume that they're, that they're shallower, and the modern ones are, and you can get ones made by Schaller, uh, originally, in the late 60s, I don't think they were made by Schaller. They were, I think they were USA made, maybe even made by Cluson. I don't know who made them, but I don't think the originals were made by Schaller, and they were a little bit smaller. So uh, they used a Cluson spec, you know, spacing and hole. And then in the mid-70s, they switched to a Schaller-made uh, unit, which was actually a better tuner. But it requires a larger hole, and I think that they also uh, are... that the covers are just slightly larger. 
Anyway, my point is that, uh, you know, if you had a set of the original late 60s uh, F-stamp tuners, they'd probably fit because I think they were a little bit smaller. And the modern reproductions, I, I believe, are a little bit larger. I don't know how they accommodate for that at the factories that they must have slightly... I don't know. They yeah, they must have a slightly uh larger uh shaft spacing from tuner to tuner. They must. But I would think that if you ordered the neck for these tuners, if you ordered it for the correct spacing, I would I would think Warmoth is aware of that and they they make the spacing a little bit big. I don't know. Anyway, the point is <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but I do know that um not all F stamp tuners are the same. Some of them have a, like a collar that sits next to the housing, and so it requires a larger diameter hole. And some of them, they do, the, the cover that fits over the tuner is actually just a little bit bigger. So you've got a little bit of gap, or not gap, but overlap there, and that's what you're dealing with. If the overlap isn't much, if we're just talking about a tiny bit, then I would I would seriously consider just taking the edges to my grinder and modifying the tuners just slightly so that they fit. If you have to take off so much material that you're down, that you've that you have to grind past the uh, the screw hole, then this is not a viable option. But if we're just talking about just shaving a tiny bit off, then that's what I would do. If you can't get by with that, then I would look into getting different tuners. Because it's just, it's oh, it's always going to bother you, and it's going to be weird looking if there's, if they're overlapping. Yeah. So, that's what I would do. I would take it, I would take the, uh, and you'll, you'll want to do this one at a time with the tuners in the neck, you know, Grind a tiny bit and then f- test fit each tuner and so that you get everything looking nice. If you've got a grinder, that's the way to do it. I think you mentioned you have a Dremel. You could also do it that way. One way that I like to make sure I'm doing, uh, making a straight line and not taking off more material than I need is I'll put a strip of masking tape right next to... Uh, the edge and then grind down to the masking tape so you know you're just you know how much material you're you're taking off and you know when to stop so that's what i would try to do give that a whirl and see how it works man and if you have to remove the bushings if you abandon this and go with different tuners if you have to remove the bushings it can be done uh Without chipping out the headstock, it's tricky, but it can be done. Um, What I would do would be to find a screwdriver that just barely fits through the hole in the bushing. Okay? And then you can, in fact, you can even heat it up a little bit. You, You could stick your soldering iron in the bushing and let that bushing heat up a little bit. And then... You want to find a screwdriver that just barely fits through the hole in the bushing and just slowly 
put, you know, put the shaft through the bushing and just slowly walk it out with the screwdriver. That way you're, you know, it's, it's time consuming and it's not, um, it's not a quick thing, but the more time you take and the more careful you're, you are about it, you can just slowly walk that bushing out as you kind of roll a tight fitting screwdriver through the hole all the while kind of pulling up on the screwdriver as you pass it through the hole. I hope that that's a good enough description of how I do it, but that's what I do. I I take a screwdriver that just barely fits in the bushing and then walk it out that way. Any other way, if you try to use some kind of tool to grab it or if you try to hammer it out or something, then yeah, you could easily chip the headstock and you don't want that. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, I want to replay something that I was thinking about. This is this is going way back. This is way back when Melissa used to co-host the show with me. And this, I gave her a quiz. And I was thinking about how funny this was when we did it. I want to replay this. This is going way back a few years. And the quiz was, is this a custom guitar color? or the name of a blues musician. And uh, it went something like this. Here you go. I have a quiz for you. Do you want to do the quiz now, or you want to do the quiz later? Quiz for me? Yes, for you. Uh, Let's do the quiz. Okay. I think it's going to be fun. Okay. Okay. This is a little quiz I wrote. Oh, no. For, for you. I didn't know to, I was uh, going to be tested yes, today. Yeah. Yes, you are competing... Against the uh, audience here. I don't know. Okay. All uh, right. Competing against me. Well, I wrote the quiz, so I already win. I'm sorry. Audience, write your your answers down and email them in. Yeah. Those of you at home, you can play along and see what you come up with. Uh, I know that most of our listeners will probably get 100%. My guess is Melissa is going to get a very high score. Oh. Very high. Okay, this is the quiz. I'm going to say a name, Mm -hmm. and you have to tell me if that name is the name of a blues musician. Oh, no, but... Or the name of a guitar color. So, (laughs) this is fun. Oh, okay. Come on now, this is fun. This is really fun. No, it'll be great. Well, the people at home are going to love it. They think it's awesome. Okay, blues musician or guitar color? Okay. Sherwood Green. Uh, uh, that's a guitar color. Yes, absolutely. That is a guitar color. Nice. Sherwood Green. One of the most common names amongst automotive paints going back to the 1920s. Sherwood Green was first used by Ford in 1953, mm. but that color differs from the one used by Fender, which originated in the 1957 models. The same color was also used in 1957 by Ford under the name Vermont Green. Mm. Did you know that most Fender custom colors come from uh, car colors of the era? You know, 50s and 60s car colors. I did not know that. Yeah, how about that? It's interesting. Okay, Tampa Red. Tampa Red. Color, guitar color. I'm sorry. Dang it. Tampa Red, Hudson Whitaker, also known as Tampa Red, was an American 
Chicago blues musician, his songwriting and his bottleneck slide guitar technique influenced many other leading Chicago blues guitarists. Tampa Red was one of the most prolific blues recording artists of his era. It's been estimated that he he recorded 335 songs on 78 RPM records. How about that? Fascinating. Isn't it? Uh, Next. Okay. So you're you're one for two. Okay. You're going to ace the rest of this. Rabbit Brown. Damn it. <laughs> Don't be too mad now. <laughs> okay, Rabbit Brown. Is this a blues musician or a guitar color? Uh, I don't. I don't know. You have to guess. Uh, the, he's a blues mu- musician. Blues musician. Oh, absolutely. That's oh, right. Goodness. Yep. From 1880 to 1937, he lived. Richard Rabbit Brown, American blues guitarist and composer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He recorded six singles for Victor <laughs> Records on May 11th, 1927, one of which, James Alley Blues, is included in the 1952 anthology of American folk music and has been covered by Bob Dylan, among others. How about that? Next, Gold Top. Gold Top. Gold Top. That's a guitar color. <sighs> That's right. <laughs> Common nickname for the gold color of the earliest Gibson Les Pauls. Mhm. Mhm. I knew uh, that. In they they in 1957 they switched to uh sunburst finishes. Uh yeah, or 58. Absolutely. All right, next. You ready? Yeah. Lemon drop. Lemon drop. That's a that's got to be a blues player. I'm sorry. <sighs> that's a nickname for a faded Les Paul sunburst. Dang. The red aniline dye used in the outer band of the original 50s Gibson sunburst would commonly fade with exposure to light, creating a much more mellow sunburst over time of yellow and brown hues, referred to as a lemon drop burst. Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Do you like this quiz? I love it. You hate it. All right. Piano red. Well, that sounds like a color. Piano red. It's a blues player? Yes, oh my. that's right. It's a, um, you got it wrong, but I'm gonna. But I gave you a second chance. <laughs> There's only two options. Willie Lee, <laughs> Willie Lee Perriman, uh, usually known professionally as Piano Red, <laughs> and later in life as Doctor Feelgood, was an American blues musician. I would like to have it known that there was a folded up piece of paper next to the uh, scripts. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eric handed me his script, my script, and uh, he kept that one under wraps. Yeah, you have not He's seen this. He's very suspicious. All right. Uh, yeah, Piano Red. Okay. Some music historians credit his 1950 recording, Rocking with Red, for the popularization of the term rock and roll in Atlanta. Mm. How do you like that? I love it. All right. Dakota Red. Dakota Red's a color. All right. Yes, it is. See, I know my colors. I just don't know my blues players. It's amazing how many of the... I mean, does Dakota Red not sound like a like a blues musician? Yeah. Some kind of train-hopping hobo itinerant blues musician from the 30s? Well, Dakota Red. Tampa Red. Tampa sounds Red is, is absolutely... right. like a blues person. <laughs> Introduced in 1957 by GM for the Cadillac, the color was quickly ushered into the Fender line of colors. The color completely opaques the grain of a guitar and is arguably the reddest of all the Fender colors. Hmm. All right, Daphne Blue. 
Daphne Blue's a color. All right. Yes. Originally an automotive color, it was offered only on the 1958 Cadillac. Slightly darker than Sonic Blue, Daphne Blue found its way into the Fender Custom Color Scheme in 1960. All right. You ready for the next one? Bull City Red. Well, that's got to be a blues player. No. Right. Born George Washington. In 1917. Hey, that's a very common name. Yeah. Is this, are you, are we close to being over? Is this done? Bull City Red was an American Piedmont blues guitarist, singer, and washboard player, most closely associated with Blind Boy Fuller and Reverend Gary Davis, one of my personal favorites. Little is known of his life outside his recording career, which is very common on, on among these early blues players. Mm-hmm. A lot of them we don't know much about. Right. Pelham Blue. P-E-L-M-A-N? P-E-L-H-A-M. Pelham, Pelham Blue. Pelham Blue. That's a color. Yes! That's correct. In the 1960s, Gibson offered many colors which seemed to echo the colors of Fender. One such color is Pelham Blue. It's lighter than Fender's Lake Placid Blue and is a metallic derived from the 1960 Cadillac color of the same name. Pine Top. Pine Top? Yes, Pine Top. Is that referring to a guitar color or a blues musician? That's a guitar color. I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Willie, Joe Willie Pine Top Perkins was an American blues pianist. I'm sorry, his name was Joe Willie Perkins, and he didn't just go with Joe Willie Perkins. Right, Pine Top. Uh, he played with some of the most influ- influential blues and rock performers of his time and received numerous honors, including a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award and induction into the Blues Hall of Fame. He lived from 1913 to 2011. Whoa. Yeah. 98. Yeah. He played Seattle when I was up there. He, my friend Steve played in the band with him. Pretty cool. Pine Top. Pine Top Perkins, man. I mean, one of probably the quintessential blues pianist, arguably. Sorry, I did not know. That's okay. I thought that one might get you. I don't know. Booker White. Booker White sounds like a blues player. Does it? It is. Yes, Booker T. Washington. Booker White. They call him Booker. B-U-K-K-A. Booker, which he hated. His name was Booker. Lived from 1906 to 1977, an American Delta blues guitarist and singer. Uh, He gave his cousin, B.B. King, a Stella guitar. Wow. King's first guitar. He was B.B. King's cousin. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I got an extra credit one for you. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. You're hating this, or or you're going to sneeze. I can't tell. No, I just don't like being in embarrassed oh there's nothing embarrassing about this it was just fun knowledge tell me what's my extra credit jack white but he's not either thank you that's correct (laughs) that was for the extra credit question that is correct jack white is neither a blues musician or a guitar color that is correct very good well, you did well. I'm not going to tally up your score or anything. Why but it's not? That, well, because I, I don't even know how many questions there are or how to do the math. Did I win? I'm a simple guitar country guitar doctor. I'm not a not a mathematician. I'm not going to figure out a percentage of what you got right. Well, there you go. 
this. Oh, fun days. That was the quiz that uh, I made Melissa take. We're going to take a little break and we'll be back with more. You know, playersgearmusic.com is the go to place for neck heating irons or neck presses. We've been telling you about that for a long time, but you should really check out his effects pedals. Go to playersgearmusic.com. Rick over there makes custom guitar pedals, and he makes all kinds. They're so unique. Check them out. Uh, Distortion pedals, boosts, fuzz pedals, and sometimes they're in really unique um, containers. Sometimes they're uh, painted wild. you got to check it out. Playersgearmusic.com. While you're there, look up the neck heating irons that he sells. It's the only place on earth that I'm aware of you can still buy one, and it's essential. It's essential in my shop. I use mine all the time. Playersgearmusic.com. Check it out. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Based in Waco, Texas, Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from apexcoffeeroasters.com. Hey, Life happens. Coffee helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. It's good stuff. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hey, Eric, this is Jeff from Chicago. Love the podcast and appreciate your approach to guitars and repair. Your custom guitars look amazing. I want to play one at some point. Thank you. So anyway, a simple tip and then a question. I used to hate it when screwing something back together, and it was really more difficult than it should be. At some point I figured out to just back the screw in first, turn counterclockwise until you feel it fall into the channel, and then screw it in. Hmm, okay. That's his tip. Uh, So what are your thoughts? Here's a question. What are your thoughts on using a stick wax lubricant like they make for metal cutting. I have found that putting a small amount on a screw really helps to ease it back into the original slot. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the question, Jeff. Uh, I I use wax on wood screws all the time when putting them uh, into guitars, whether it's a whether I'm putting something back into a hole that it's been threaded into, or whether it's a fresh hole that I just drilled out. Yeah, I use I use wax on screws all the time. I have my um, pot going to wax pot pickups right there, and so if that's hot, then I'll just dip the tip of the screw in there and get some hot wax melted onto the threads. And if it's not heated up, if it's not hot, I'll just uh, run the threads of the screw along the wax, and it'll pick up a little bit of wax and then I'll hold up a lighter to it or take your soldering iron and heat up that wax and let the wax melt. That's one of the things that I've started doing. Rather than just wax the screw, I'll actually melt wax onto the screw because then it flows really well onto the threads, and it definitely makes a big difference when you're putting a fresh wood screw into you know into a fresh hole that you've just drilled and it really makes them go a lot easier. I've had it happen before, especially when you're when you're installing uh, tuners, like 
like the Cluson-style tuners on a fender headstock. I've seen it before. Some of the screws you get with those tuners are pretty crappy little screws, and they're just tiny. So you got to be careful if you really are if you're really having to force them. You can actually twist the head right off of those screws, and the wax will help prevent that from happening. You can also, uh, if you haven't drilled out the hole properly, you can even split a fender-style headstock right through the tuner holes. And so wax will help that, too, because it really helps the screw go in easier and you don't have to force it. So for those two reasons, uh, it's really a good idea to use wax on wood screws. Indeed. All righty. Well, I replayed the uh, blues musician or guitar color quiz. A few episodes later, after that quiz, I gave Melissa another quiz, and it went like this. That's all we've got for tonight, unless you want to play a little game. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I'd love to play a game. This was suggested by a listener. Oh. And uh, it, it was actually a long time ago, but, I, but it popped back up in my uh, inbox, and now I... I'm using it. This is from Cartwright. Okay. Uh, and a little help from me. Okay. I rewrote it a little bit. So this is a quiz we're going to play. Knob or pickup? Oh, good. So I'm going to tell you the name of a guitar doodad, and you tell okay. me if it's a knob or a pickup. Okay. Are you All ready? Right. I'm so I ready. I think you're going to ace this. I think so, too. I'm so smart about okay. guitar things. You really are. Dog ear. Hmm... What are the options? Knob? Knob or pickup. Okay. Dog ear is a knob. No, that's a pickup. That's a type of a P90. That's a P90 that has little triangular tabs on the end, and they look like dog Dog ears. ears. Oh. Okay, here's one you know. I know you know this. All right. You ready? No. Is this a knob or a pickup? Okay. Chicken head. That's a knob. Yes, everybody knows the chicken head knob. Chicken head knob. It's a knob that looks like the head of a chicken. Yep. Okay, are you ready? Uh-huh. Knob or pickup? Monkey on a stick. <laughs> this is a thing. Monkey on a stick. Um, monkey on a stick is a pickup. <laughs> yes, that's right. Sweet. The old dearmond pickup that... Uh, Attaches to arch top, arch, arch top style guitars. Wow. Yeah, th- it has a little bracket that goes down by your tailpiece, and then a stick that comes up, and you can slide the pickup up and down the stick for proper pickup placement. Wow. They call it a monkey on a stick. Monkey on a stick. All right, are you ready? Uh huh. Knob or pickup? Uh huh. Top hat. Well, that's got to be a knob. Yes, of course, it's a knob. How about this? Boomerang. Ooh. I would think that's a pickup. It is. It's a rare pickup. You they you don't see them very often, but is it shaped like a boomerang? Yes, it's shaped oh, like a boomerang. Thank God. Okay, bonnet reflector. <laughs> a bonnet reflector. Is that a knob or a pickup? If you had just left it at bonnet, I would have been sure that it was a knob. But reflector. Yeah, bonnet reflector. Huh. It's a thing. All right, it, I'm going with knob. Yes. Ding ding ding. Very smart. The bonnet reflector is that weird uh, Gibson knob that has a little reflective top, a little dished reflective top. I know what you're talking about, surprisingly. Okay. Short skirt. Oh. Is that a knob or a pickup? 
the knob. Yes, the <laughs> early strats had knobs that were a little bit smaller on the skirt part, and they call them the short skirt. Huh. They were Bakelite. Interesting. Mm-hmm, very interesting. Where are we? Uh, knob or pickup? Soap bar. Well, that's got to be a pickup. Yes, of course. That's a P90. That's slang for a P90. Oh. Mm-hmm. Cupcake. That's a knob. How do you know? Well, because a, a cupcake is shaped more like a knob than like a pickup. All right. I guess this is an easier quiz than I thought. Yes, a cupcake is a knob. It's a, a harmony knob. Oh. Yeah. Looks like a little cupcake. I want to look like a little cupcake. Very descriptive term. You do. (laughs) Hershey bar. That's going to be a pickup. Of course it's a pickup. Gold foil. Pickup. Yes. Stacked concentric. Knob. Wow, you're good. You're acing this. Lipstick. Pickup. Yes. Horseshoe. Knob or pickup? The horseshoe. The horseshoe. Is that the last one? That's the last one. All right. I better get it right. Let's think. Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a horseshoe-shaped pickup. Haven't you? It's a pickup. It is a pickup. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Oh, she's clipping so badly. Sorry. Yes. Horseshoe. Absolutely. That's a pickup. That does it for the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for submitting questions. And... uh Keep them coming. We're going to do another show on on December 15th, and then we're going to take a little break. If you want to write into the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and uh, submit your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is call or text 757-774-8482. That's 757-774-8482. And uh, we'll use that as part of the show. Thank you so much. Good night. Good night. Good night.